Good morning, everyone. This is our first reading from the prophet. Um, he uh, has something very curious uh, that he puts forth about us, but even more curious about God, about something the way God is going to uh, respond uh, to us. And um, yes, in the end, uh, the prophet will say, he's going to hold you responsible, you personally, uh, for everything St. Paul, uh, in the second uh, reading, uh, clearly he's dealing with a problem uh, in the churches that he's established in Jesus' name. What is that problem? The problem is there's infighting between the different churches within the communities he's built, and that's why he's telling him, be of one mind and heart. You may not always agree on everything, but be of one mind and heart. Show the love of God. And then he went on to say, look what Jesus did. See what he did for, for all of you. And my friends, uh, um, certainly uh, I might have to preach on that as we get closer to the November date, huh? About being of one mind and heart and being kind and charitable and being unified as a church. And my friends, uh, um, today's gospel comes as Jesus is teaching in the temple area and the, the chief priests and the elders have once again taken offense at him. Uh, and now they are going to confront him again. And uh, Jesus, aware of their wicked intentions, decides to turn the tables on them. And uh, Jesus is God, and his heart is huge. And every, I have to tell you, I take delight when Jesus kind of smacks them. <laughs> you know, I, I get careful with that. But, so he turns the table on them and gives them a taste of their own medicine. They have asked him a question, and Jesus uh, leading up to the gospel we have today, tells them he will answer their question only if they answer his. He asks a question that will ultimately trap them in their hypocrisy. He says, really, was the mission of John the baptizer of divine or human origin? If they say of divine origin, they would convict themselves of failing to heed God's messenger. Since John is that, and more, he pointed out Jesus as the Lamb of God, as the Messiah. And John directed his disciples to follow Jesus. And if the Pharisees and scribes say, no, 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 John was of human origin, they would look foolish. Because even the average folks and the great sinners, the tax collectors and the prostitutes could see that John truly was a prophet of God. No doubt. To escape the dilemma, they refused to answer Jesus. So Jesus puts forth the parable we hear today. Friends, remember, a parable is a story in which has an element in it that is compared to the person who is listening to it. And uh, without the listener first being aware that they are, they are being compared. This parable is the shortest in all the gospel. Though neither son in the parable is a prize, <laughs> uh, as they both leave a lot to be desired, one son says he will obey his father but doesn't. The other refuses at first to obey his father but eventually realizes his mistake and does as the father asks. Jesus asks the leaders, who did the father's will here? They answered the first son, the one who eventually did what the father had asked of him. And Jesus reveals then the point of his parable. 
telling the religious leaders that tax collectors and prostitutes would get into the kingdom of heaven before they would. It is only then that the Pharisees and scribes realize who they are being compared to, um, to the second son in the story. But, and then the, the one who first said he would do his father's will, but then failed to do anything, really. Jesus meant because they were refusing God's Messiah, standing right there by them, and his words, and his invitation. Jesus is inviting them. But they were doing nothing outside of giving God lip service by refusing to put into practice what they preach and failing to recognize the Messiah. Friends, they were blocking God's will by refusing to accept his son, Jesus Christ. It is to the tax collectors and the prostitutes who are considered to be great sinners or notorious sinners of the day that Jesus compares to the first son, the one who at first refused, but ultimately did the Father's will. Those sinners refused God's will, if you will, at first, and perhaps he even made fun of his laws by the lives they led. But they came to John the Baptist listening to what he had to say, and ultimately they repented at his preaching, and they changed their lives, and then they went after Jesus. They went, they went to follow him. They wanted to be in the kingdom. They wanted to live a kingdom life. My friends, you know, um, this speaks a lot about many, many things. One of the things is that God prefers the humble who realize their errors and then seek to correct them rather than to be proud of heart who will not accept God's initiative into their lives. My friends, uh, you know, many times people say yes, but then their lives say no. We have people who uh, put forth that they're a Christian and that they're a disciple of Jesus Christ in, word, you know, in their words, but their lives, they look like atheists. If you were to observe them, oh, that must be an atheist. No, no, I'm a Christian. Ooh. What kind of Christian? <laughs> Friends, the curiosity about the first reading, uh, the prophet Ezekiel says that God does not hold the past errors of a sinner who repents, nor does God judge one for the sins of their ancestors. That was a thing back then. God judges a person on the merits of their own or their lack thereof. Now we always look, we take the New Testament and apply it and look through, have something a little bit different, nuanced to say about this. And uh, on the one hand, life is not a balance sheet in which more good years than bad years adds up to heaven and uh, the reversal of Gehenna, as Jesus would call it. God is so loving and willing to forgive uh, that he will forgive anyone who truly repents even after a life of many years of sin. However, God will not force a person's will if after a good life a person turns against God and refuses to repent. God will not force that human heart to change. And it is then to that individual they must bear the responsibility of their actions and take the consequences. So it means in the moment. 
You understand what I'm saying? So if someone, I told them last night, if someone lived a horrible life, and perhaps out of, just because they wanted to, and now they're 50, and they come to discover Jesus Christ, and then let's say they die right after that, guess what happens? Yeah. Now let's look at the other side. person who's, oh, I've done everything. I've prayed. I've gone to church. I've done everything. Now they turn 50, and then they die. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Ezekiel is saying. That's why I'm like, okay, 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 okay. St. James, help me out here. <laughs> but a, I mean, we have to go further into Ezekiel. He will, be, he, will get it to, he will explain, you know what matters now. And the prophets of old would say, God is the God and Lord of life and of time, past, present, and future. They're all one to him. and begins to make more sense to us. Um, so uh, St. James will say, though, your good works, all your love, follow you. But the assumption is made is that you are going to heaven. <laughs> so I'll leave that with you. <laughs> you go and read Ezekiel, and then I would say hurry up and get to James <laughs> and see what James has to say. But my friends, God's love and grace are always there for us. And our Lord always invites all sinners to repent. This passage is a reminder that we cannot just rest on our laurels and assume that a good life in the past is enough. If we are honest, we will acknowledge that sometimes we are the elder son and sometimes we are the younger son. Jesus invites us to put some unity into our lives between our words and our actions and uh, to make his words the foundation of our values and of all of our decisions. You know, people can... Jesus said, people can call my name, Lord, Lord. People can say, I believe in Jesus Christ, he's Lord. Is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your private life? Is he Lord of your public life? Is he Lord of your work life? Is he Lord over you when you're on social media? Hmm. Hmm. I read some of those social medias. It looks like there's a different type of thing going on there. You see, when you say the Lord is the Lord of life, then he needs to be the Lord of all life throughout the whole thing, public, private, social, work. My friends, uh, when we grasp uh, what the scriptures are telling us and means to us, we can begin to grow spiritually and become true disciples of Jesus Christ. As children of God, we must continue to grow in the love of the Lord to walk more and more in holiness with his grace each and every day and to keep that relationship with him alive and strong and ever active. That is how you get into heaven. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. God has established covenants, yes, with the Jewish people. We understand that, and that will be for another time. But um, Jesus Christ for Christians is the only way he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other. But uh, it takes more than just professing that. We must live it uh, by our lives. Always. Whether it's convenient or not. Whether we're in a good mood or in a bad mood. And my friends, our second reading of uh, Paul's letter, um, when we team that up with another piece from Matthew's Gospel, when I return from my retreat and vacation, I'll probably bring uh, write a homily 
it becomes crucial to understand our times and what we should be doing and to stop freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I'm your pastor, and I get all kinds of emails, and I hear all kinds of things in the confessional. I need back, I will uh, present that. I will present the readings uh, from our second reading and then team it up with a passage from, from Matthew and show you how it applies to our times and exactly what am I supposed to do? I'm going to tell you what exactly you're supposed to do. Be disciples of Jesus Christ. Live a life of hope and love and mercy and compassion. I guess I won't have to write a homily then. Well, I, I just gave it away. Well, there you go. I gave it away. <laughs> I guess I can just go and enjoy myself now on my retreat and not work on that homily. I want to publicly thank my staff and our volunteers who have been very selfish, selfish uh, selfless uh, in being here. Um, almost every staff member never took a break. They never stopped. Amen. My brothers and sisters, as you, you know, the collection was taken away, the collection time. Well, it's coming back today. You're going to remember the baskets on the stick, the older parishioners, the younger ones will be like, ah, basket on a stick? That's the only way we can do it. So the collection is, Father Mark began his moving forward with the collection. <laughs> there you go. Please be seated. 